my soul waits for God alone. To the choir master, according to Jeduthun, a psalm of David. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to, to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balance, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this. That power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. Then let's pray. psalm or the hymn that we started with it's kind of hard to start off with this prayer but the psalms the, the hymn said it all and followed with the psalm so let's bow our heads in prayer to the Lord our God Father we are so thankful you are our creator you have created us in your own image Lord given us hearts and minds and sensitivities and feelings Lord towards your creation towards yourself and, your man, and mankind itself as well. And we look forward to the rising of the sun each morning, presuming that it will always be there. It's been a constant, just like you have always been a constant in our lives. So we praise you for that, God. We are so thankful for your love for us and your patience as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus, who came to this earth as a man totally able to be like us, sinful, yet he chose not. He resists the devil, and he now sits before you on your right hand, or not before you, but at your right hand. Father, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we now stand righteous and clean of our sins because of Jesus, nothing of ourselves, nothing that we can do, Lord, can repay the debt that we owe. So we give you the glory and honor in ourselves, our love, and our loyalty to you. For Jesus' sake and in his name, amen. Amen. You may be seated.
We actually have two catechism questions today, both related to baptism. Uh, question number 44 is this. What is baptism? And let's read this together. Baptism is the washing with water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It signifies and seals our adoption into Christ, our cleansing from sin, and our commitment to belong to the Lord and to his church. And the short answer, baptism is the washing with water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the supporting scripture is from Matthew 28, 19. Let's read this together as well. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then the question 45, also relating to baptism, is this. Is baptism with water the washing away of sin itself? And the answer is, let's say it together, no, only the blood of Christ and the renewal of the Holy Spirit can cleanse us from sin. And the short answer, no, only the blood of Christ can cleanse us from sin. And the supporting scriptures from Luke 3.16, and again, let's read this together. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, Father, we come before you grateful that we can come, grateful that we're gathered together, grateful to have family. And amongst us, Father, we are um, hurting, we are joyful, we come with heavy hearts, we come with light hearts, we come just as we are. I thank you, Father, for the beauty of what you have produced in us, even as we struggle, even as we grow. I thank you, Father, for the rainy days, these prolonged cold and winter days have left spring in its abundance for many weeks longer than we anticipated. So help us, Father, to recognize in the days that seem cold and rainy, the flowers are still blooming. They're beautiful in their array. You have made each of us unique to be in your garden. From the lowliest little sprout to the mature rosebush, Father, you are growing us. You are pruning us. You are keeping us alive for your beauty to be displayed to a watching world who needs to see beauty. We are here now. We thank you for the opportunity. We ask that you would... Bless this time. Show us your beauty and the order of your world through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Baptism. The washing in the water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, signifying and sealing our adoption into Christ, our cleansing from sin, and our commitment to belong to the Lord and to his church. It in and of itself does not save us. It does not wash away sin. Only the blood of Christ can cleanse us from sin. And in our catechism, it goes right to action. 
Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So first, thank you to Peter last week who introduced the ordinances, the idea of ordinances and the difference of ordinances uh, versus sacraments. But the two ordinances that Christ gives and ordains in the Bible are baptism and the Lord's Supper. So here we are. It's Sunday morning at a Baptist church, and I'm preaching on baptism. So all right, I'm going to say it. This is our Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday morning of amens, right? We're Baptists. We'd be amening all over the place. So feel free. But I was wondering two things. How do I preach to my family? How do I preach to my family choir who knows all the words and probably have many, if not all, been baptized? And um, many may have taken the Sunday off. So how do I preach on something that everyone knows? And the second thing I'm wondering is, what's in a name? So um, I was talking to Dan about this morning, and he encouraged me to tell my baptism story. And I love my baptism story. Um, I was baptized in this church. Uh, not in this church, in what is the Daybreak Church. So 1987. For young people, that's post-World War II and pre-internet. That's You categorize that as ancient history, I understand. Uh, but that was 1987, and it was over there. And I'm pretty sure it was Glenn Simons who baptized me. We talked about this. I don't think he – I don't know. It may have been 1987. It may have been 1980. I, Glenn, I, I, I think you were there. I know Dan taught the membership class. And I got to confess something. I didn't get baptized so I could join this church. I got baptized because we studied the baptism. And I was compelled and convinced. And if you want to say convicted in a positive way, I was convicted. I had not been baptized. Now, Ma baptized me in the Methodist church when I was very young and could never have remembered it. So I went back and told Ma, hey, Ma. I'm getting baptized. And I think she came pretty close to actually being offended. But I know she was worried and she was concerned. She'd already baptized me. You don't need to get baptized, Tom, but I want to. See, here's the difference. And we went through scripture. And I, in the discussion, kind of came to realize she was not worried about getting baptized twice or the doctrine of baptism. She was worried that she had done something wrong or improper. And so that was never the point. And we came to peace and ease and understanding talking through this. But I got baptized over in the old building a long time ago. Ancient history. But let's go back even farther. Because I had not studied baptism until I got into it again a few weeks ago. And I had kind of put it on its shelf since 1987. Check that box. I know everything I need to know. I've been baptized. Amen, let's go home. But the more I researched, the more I was blown away by one thing. First of all, ritual cleansing has been known in every civilization since the beginning of time. It is not a new thing necessarily in the Bible. It is not a new thing even in religion. But ritual cleansing or purification, it was done as part of all ancient cultures. Um, we know this through archaeology and manuscripts. And we've seen cleansing not by just water, but by fire, by earth, 
by bloodletting, by worse things, but certainly by washing. And water is important. But they wash their hands and their feet and their heads, almost rarely or almost really almost never a full immersion. But they would do it before they went to go do something. You always washed, cleansed, purified before you went into a temple or before a ritual meal. Before rendering judger, remember Pontius Pilate, the bowl of water? That was not just a happenstance that it was there. That's part of judgment. That's where the judge gets to wash his hands and say, this is not my fault. I pronounce myself clean. Washing was a means to present yourself worthy before your God or in the ancient days, your ancestor, but also to appease. You did it out of fear, to avoid dismissal, to avoid punishment, or angering God or an ancestor. And now along comes the Old Testament, and there are 40 verses, actually more than 40 verses about cleansing. And some of those are like if you're sick or if you've been somewhere or touched a corpse or things like that, but the part of it is ritual. But the real ritual cleansing was before you entered the temple, before you entered the Holy of Holies. Now let's say you're going to Passover. You're going to one of the seven feasts. They have a Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, festival of weeks, festival of tournament, trumpets, festival of atonement, festival of tabernacles. When you went to these festivals, you had to be clean to go. You tried to clean before you left, but then you traveled. And when you traveled, there were three ways really to get to Jerusalem if you weren't from that area. One way is by the sea, the Via Maris, the way of the sea. But that's where all of the merchant caravans from Egypt to Damascus ran. So there would be delays. You would give way to long caravans. It was very, very dusty and slow. So if you ever want to take a long trip with your kids in a car, you don't pick the slow way. You pick the fast way. The second way to get is up through the mountains, north and south, is called the King's Highway. And you'd pass the king's highway, but now you're up and down, turning and hairpin turns, and the kids are getting carsick in the back seat, and they're complaining, and they're not happy. So most people from north and south came down and up along the Jordan and then ascended into Jerusalem. Now that's where we get uh, David's Psalms of Ascension. Those are the songs that you sing as you're going up into Jerusalem from coming up out of the Jordan Valley. Out of the Old Testament, 40 or more ways to clean yourself. All of these festivals keep happening. And between the Old Testament and the New Testament, what they call the intertestamental period, 400 years of silence, of traveling up and down the Jordan, of repeating David's psalms, and going up to Jerusalem for the seven, seven festivals that you must be clean for. Baptism was not new at that time. When John was baptizing, he was baptizing along the Jordan. Remember a voice crying out in the wilderness. Well, don't think of the wilderness as the goat rocks. John would not be crying out in the goat rocks where no one can hear him. He was along the Jordan at places like Anon near Salim and Bethany beyond the Jordan. He would find pools, and sometimes in the, in the Jordan itself, and he would baptize for repentance. Well, you could get baptized, maybe anybody else, because you needed to be clean to go up to the Passover. 
so this voice crying out in the wilderness you have to think of it more like at the junction of mountain highway and 512 or what a seattleite would call the wilderness that's where he was right this was common it was a voice you heard but when you went to get baptized with john you heard something new you didn't hear get baptized so you can go do your festival if you want to go to passover get your baptism here that may have been the cry of other people but from john repent for the messiah is here that's a different story that's a different reason to get washed that's a bigger reason that i need to be cleansed before i go up to the festival something new acts 19:4 paul says and John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. Something's changing. All those previous cleansing had two things in common, even this cleansing on the way to your festivals. It was before something, and it was repeated. You had to do it more than once. Every festival you had to do it. Every meal you had to do it. Every time you entered the sanctuary, you went to the temple, you had to be clean. It's a repetitive, make me worthy. Luke 3, 16. John, the Baptist, answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, this is a new baptism. This isn't just with water. Things are changing. Now John 1.33, the Apostle John, quoting John the Baptist, John the Baptist, testified saying, I have seen the Spirit descend as a dove out of heaven, and he remained on him. I myself did not know him, but when he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Something new is happening. Something new is changing. The words of the voice in the wilderness are new words. John 3, 22 to 36. Um, maybe bear with me. I'm going to read all of that. Uh, After Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he, Jesus, remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because the water there was plentiful. And people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put into prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over the purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing. And all are given, and uh, sorry, and all are going to him. And John answered, you have to remember John, we're in the wilderness, camel hair suit, gnarly belt eats bugs for breakfast, crazy hair, never been cut, Nazarite bow. And I don't picture him answering like this, oh, my little children, let me explain something to you. I think this is John the Baptist. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. Let that sink in. You yourselves... Bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Let that sink in. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. 
the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices at his voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. I sense a pause here while the disciples either don't understand it and are scratching their heads or they don't like the answer. Maybe a little bit of, hey, I thought we had the franchise on baptizing. We had a good thing going here. Now he's baptizing. I don't know. But now I think John goes, John the Baptist, goes full arms akimbo and goes Charlton Heston on these guys. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And then the chapter ends because I think they get it. He's explained what happened, and now he's explained the position of things. This is new. This is Messiah. This is not John. This is not us. This is him. Luke 3, 21 to 22 now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptizing, baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my, my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. People get confused and they overcomplicate this event. Baptism didn't save Jesus. Jesus didn't need to get the Holy Spirit, and he didn't need to repent. Baptism fulfilled all the righteousness of Scripture. Jesus identified fully with us and the debt of our sin. He didn't get baptized to sympathize with us, to empathize with us, to identify with us, especially in the weak sense that the social construct uses today of identification. He took our sin on as he proclaimed who he is and began his mission. Jesus baptized for us. The hope of heaven brought a new order to earth. So we don't overly complicate things. I've had people ask, maybe you have too, well, how can the Holy Spirit be in him and descend like a dove on him? Well, he's the Holy Spirit. Well, why? So that people could see and then hear and then write and testify to who Jesus is. That's a moment. That's a pivot in history. Cleansing changes. So what does baptism do? 1 Peter 3.21 Baptism, which corresponds to this, this is why we prayerfully and diligently approach Scripture. If you take this Scripture out, and you read it out of context, it sounds like this. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Well, 
Didn't we just read that it doesn't really wash away our sins? All right. The verse is, 1 Peter 3, 21, Baptism, which corresponds to this now, saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Christ. So I'm saved because I got a, a mind switch. Well, no. The now save you, saves you is a comparison to all the verses that came before that. And there, Peter is teaching other Hebrews. You remember the flood. You remember the cleansing of the flood. Well, the flood was also a punishment. And you remember how Noah was obedient through the flood? And even though he suffered, he did what God asked. And so he's talking about water in the flood. And he's saying, then, Noah, then, now. He's saying, now, today, baptism saves you. But he doesn't mean just immersion in water. See, baptism in a few places in the New Testament is used to encompass and refer to the full completion of the gospel in us. Acts 2.38 And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, here's, here's where baptism means more than just being immersed and rising. It means the full completion of the gospel in us. It means we heard the gospel, we believed, we repented, we were forgiven, we received the Holy Spirit, and we act by being baptized. What we want to do, especially in the West, in our modern culture, is we want to put thens in between each one of those things. I heard, then I believed, then I repented, then I confessed, then I got the Holy Spirit, and then everything's in order, thank you very much, and I get the next step, and then I'm saved, I get baptized, and that's okay. Don't change the, that's not, the, yeah, that's, I'm happy with. It doesn't work that way. The timing is not as important. The series is not as important. The completion of the gospel is important. So when I was baptized, it was, I think, 11 or 12 years after I became a Christian. Oh, my gosh, that wasn't the right order of things. I should have been baptized right then. But that's not important. What is important is that I got baptized. Remember, all of those events can happen at once. All of those events are also defined or predicated by conditions that are happening around you. When you become a Christian, is there a pool to be baptized in? I mean, what if you're in the Ukraine right now and, and you have given your life over to the Lord and you're passing by a Catholic church that has holy water? Do you say no? Do you say yes? I think what matters more is that you are compelled to be baptized. Mark 16, 16, because our part in baptism, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Romans 6, 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? John 3, 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one, of one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's kind of getting complicated. There's a lot in baptism now. Uh, do you get the Holy Spirit when you come out of the water or before or after? 
is it does it change your mind? Set all that aside for a second. Baptism is important. Why is baptism important? Well, John taught brought baptism for national and personal repentance, but in a new way, pointing to Christ. But this was still in preparation. This was the beforehand action. Jesus get back, gets baptized by John, and everything pivots. Everything changes. This is a driving point in God's story. All of humanity was being given hope. The Spirit was made known in the person of Christ. It's important because Jesus baptized and told his, baptize, his uh, disciples to baptize. And they went and baptized and told other people to baptize. So I don't think it's something you just want to set aside. But baptism from then on, and in this way, changed the order of things. We don't cleanse to prepare to be worthy. We don't purify ourselves. We cleanse when we declare that Christ alone is worthy. Our baptism is a personal and public response. We identify with Christ, not in today's identity. We identify with Christ. We seal our confession that God is true. We die with Christ, are buried with Christ, are raised with Christ. Baptism is deeply spiritual. Think of this. When you rise out of the water, after dying with Christ and are raised with Christ, what's your first breath like? It's a new first breath. It is a sealed in Christ first breath. Titus 3.5, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but by according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is rich. It is a rich saving grace that you actually get to take part in. It's your first rich saving grace if you were able to be baptized as you confess. I love that. Acts 8.12 When they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. 1 Corinthians 12.13 For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free, men and women, black, white, Asian, Indian, Native American, Pacific Islanders, Hispanic, Indonesian, Mongolian, African, Arab, Persian, whatever box you want to put on the form, it's okay because all are welcome into the grace of Christ. Baptism is one of those things that puts a pin in this, that faith in Christ surpasses every human attempt at proving yourself pure or dividing us. Faith in Christ obliviates every human cause and call to separate and make others worse or better than us. Jesus Christ shatters all boundaries of race, nationality, and political allegiance. Jesus Christ shatters our social order. When he got baptized and everything changed and the order of things changed, 
the social order around him was blown up. Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots, Essenes, Greeks, Romans, all of it was blown up. Because now, we cleanse to say that Christ alone saves. Acts 10.47 Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? The form, the baptism form, doesn't have a thousand boxes that we can identify with. It has, do you believe in Jesus Christ? on it. Any other box that we want to put on there to help de identify us is meaningless. Any box we want to put on there that we want to say other people should have to check is sinful and meaningless. Do you believe in Jesus? Check the box. A person's baptism is rich and deeply spiritual to all of us as witnesses. Galatians 3, 26-27 For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. This is a spiritual event. When we watch someone else be baptized, we witness and celebrate the Holy Spirit. We celebrate the first new breath together. We remember and relive and cherish our own first new breath. And we welcome a new brother or sister sealed in Christ. And it's no accident that our catechism and our, the verse for our catechism is a call to action. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to observe all that I have commanded you. Then Acts 19, 5 to 6. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Acts 2.41 Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Acts 22.16 And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So what's in a name? Welcome to Eatonville Baptist Church. After all this research, the first thing that came to my mind is, well, identifying with this ordinance in our church name seems like a pretty good idea. What a place in God's gospel. What a way to proclaim his grace and mercy. Remember, it could be Eatonville um, Hear the gospel, repent, believe, be forgiven, receive the Holy Spirit, and act church. But that would really mess up the logo, and it wouldn't fit on the front of the church. So when we say Eatonville Baptist Church, we don't mean Eatonville Baptist Church, line up in the kitchen, go out to the parking lot. We baptize. That's not what we're saying. We baptize through immersion here because in the use of the New Testament, it's always of the root word baptizo, to immerse or to fully dunk or fully dip into water. Every example in scripture speak to being immersed. We baptize once because that's what Jesus did and what he taught. We are born once into water and once into the spirit. 
But we should never criticize the way other people do that. We should not criticize or grumble or judge or compare to other denominations. Let's just celebrate the ordinance, the joy and the beauty and the witness of the richness of Christ. With all the unleashed crazy swirling around us, all the chaos and all the disorder, in Christ we have hope. In baptism, we celebrate and commit to Christ's order of things and become bearers of hope. Acts 22:16. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So, if you've been baptized, I hope that your faith is renewed a little bit today thinking back on what happened and what it meant, what it meant to you and what it meant to everybody who sat wherever you were baptized and witnessed to you. If you've never been baptized and you believe in Jesus, I hope that you are compelled to be baptized. I really do. It's spiritual. It's, it's awesome. It really is a new first breath. If you have any questions about baptism, or you want to be baptized, talk to Dan or Jason or the other elders and, and let's get in line. And when you witness someone being baptized, here on the 29th, when you witness that, I tear up every time. A new first breath. That's a reason to celebrate. That's a reason to come together. That's a reason to be called Eatonville Baptist Church. That's a reason where you can say, man, I'm going to put a pin in one thing, and that is Christ and Christ alone. I cannot wash to make myself worthy. I can never be clean enough. But I know Jesus alone makes me clean. Jason.